2: Twenty minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
3: Tuesday, January 31st, the final day of January in 2023, which means spring is around the corner. That means draft season is like closer. The unfortunate part of that is we only have one NFL football game left this season uh if you're into usfl and some xfl stuff and then, then more power to you um, i wasn't able to fully maintain interest in that last year but i'm going to try again because what else am i going to do you know the nba doesn't really matter until what april <laughs> may if you're and that depends on who your who your favorite team is because you may not matter at all baseball you know baseball in the cold stuff all that sort of stuff but beside the point Welcome to the show everybody. I'm Jacob Westendorf. Not joined by Jacob Morley tonight. Um he's trying to spend less money at Target, which more power to him for that. Godspeed. Mr. Stack and joined now by the the godfather of Packer Report, Bison Report and anything basically with the word report behind it I think he runs. And that is Ross Uglem. Ross, how we doing?
2: Ah, uh, we're spectacular.
3: Spectacular is better yeah, than
2: Yeah, we'd be We'd be better if Cordell Volson was in the Super Bowl, but he's, you know, we're, we're, we're fine.
3: Be better if Christian Watson was in the Super Bowl. I mean, that was, (laughs) that would have been, that would have been much nicer. But, uh, you know, uh, championship Sunday, a bit of a dud. Uh, the, The Chiefs and Bengals game was good, marred by some controversial officiating, I guess is what we'll call it. At the end of that particular game, uh, Eagles 49ers, that game was over the minute Brock Purdy's elbow snapped. I know the score was 7-7 at one point after Purdy got hurt, but there was just no feasible way that the 49ers – like if the Eagles scored 10 points, like you're basically saying, can Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown and that entire crew get them a field goal? Because there's just – the Niners, I don't care – who your head coach is. I don't care what your plan is. I don't care what your schematics are. I had a chuckle yesterday uh, as I was reading through and everyone's like, Oh, I, I expected more creativity from the 49ers. And I'm just kind of like, what do you, what do you, I'm, I'm all for making jokes about Kyle Shanahan and especially at his expense, but what do you want him to do? Like the, the quarterback can't lift his arm. He can't, there's no threat of throwing the football. You can't run, double reverse passes on every single play. Like it's essentially a team trying to run the triple option, but you can't really do that either because Purdy's elbow is jacked. So you can't risk that getting hit and it getting hurt and come to find out he's going to have UCL surgery.
2: He's got the Tommy John injury.
3: Yeah. So he's out for six months. I have no idea who the hell is going to play quarterback for the 49ers next year between injury surgeries, free agents, everything else. But
2: I mean, Trey yeah. Lance's <laughs> <a> contract contract. <laughs> I, he I, is,
3: but he's coming off what? Two. He's had two surgeries.
2: It's so an ankle. That, I mean, it's, it's an ankle, it's, 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 it's different, but it I, is. I, 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 I,
3: I would go back to Trey Lance. I think they're going to go after Tom Brady. That just seems to be the convention. That's not a hot take or anything. That seems to be conventional wisdom. Now, as the 49ers might go chasing that direction, we'll see. If that is what happens, but yeah, there was nothing like the 49ers eventually got to a point where they brought a plastic spoon to a bazooka fight. Like they just, they didn't have anything. And I don't care how many weapons you have. If the quarterback can't lift his arm. I mean, Ross, how many times the last play, I I thought um, they were going
2: to get killed either way, but that's maybe besides the point.
3: I didn't, I thought the Eagles were going to win as well, but I, I think that obviously, you know, when you can't, for example, like the play I was coming up with, the Debo Samuel toss where they run like that toss and it's just basically like Debo find the hole and, and pick up yards. Like how many times have we seen that play go for six, seven, eight, ten yard, you know, whatever, because right. Debo is that gifted of a runner. But yesterday when they ran that play, it goes for minus four because as soon as the ball is snapped, Avante Maddox and the Eagles linebackers are able to just kind of rush their gaps because there's no threat of them throwing the football. So that's kind of the the nature that they went in. Ross, you said you thought the Niners were going to get killed either way. Any surprises? Anything that happened yesterday that was like out of the norm?
2: No, I mean, I, I will say this, and I said it live. I don't know if I tweeted it or just it in the group chat. And I suppose if it's in the group chat. Chat doesn't really count. But um, I, I did say to the, like the guys I was talking to, like I I, I would have just probably not probably I would have just removed a quarterback. Period. Um, had Debo play quarterback. Uh, had had McCaffrey play quarterback, whatever, because it got very obvious very quickly that the, the Eagles were on to it. So why not run some stuff where at least the person the you're plus one in the run game, right? You 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 quarter because Purdy handing off is not a threat. <laughs> They're not respecting the bootleg. There's no. You know, there's no respect. So at least if you're snapping the ball to Debo, and I'm not saying that that's like a great way to run your offense, but when you throw Brock Purdy out there, you just admit like we're not going to the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, and, and that was that was odd. That's, if
2: I was a 49ers fan, I'd be, I would probably have the grace to understand that it just wasn't our day, but I would also be frustrated like it, it, this plan was never getting us back from 21-7 ever. Yeah. So, uh,
3: ever no and it felt like I don't, I don't want to call it karma or anything like that but like you're not supposed to win seven games in a row when your third string quarterback is playing for you so it almost felt like all of the you know the good that they did over those seven weeks or something went the complete opposite direction in the span of about 25 minutes because it was purdy's i think second pass of the game where his elbow got hit it became a fumble and and going from there the only other thing from that game that was interesting, I guess, and I don't know if you want a potential turning point, was the Devontae Smith one-handed catch, not catch, that wasn't able to be overturned by the eye in the sky. And then kudos to the Eagles for getting up to the line of scrimmage and running a play. Shanahan didn't challenge for whatever reason that was. Um, maybe he didn't get a good look at it from his guys upstairs. I don't know. But the the Chiefs in the Bengals game, Ross, the, the Bengals felt like a – I I, you can't really call it an upset but a trendy pick I picked them myself but once it got to I think it was like Bengals minus two and a half at one point I'm like I know the jokes about Burrowhead and, and everything like that Travis Kelsey certainly made his feelings known about that at the end of the game but it almost I hate the term disrespect or anything like that but like Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium was a two and a half point underdog. Like there is some at least legitimacy to the claim of disrespect when you get to something like that, isn't there?
2: Well, especially when when Cincinnati's offensive line was in the shambles that it was in. Uh, when when all you have left is Ted Karras and Cordell Wilson, that's not great. <laughs> um, and I love Cordell, obviously, but he's he's a fifth round pick, you know, rookie. Um, and I thought he played pretty well, but you you got Jack Carmen at left tackle. That's that's not great. You have got. Akeem Energy at, at right tackle, that's also not great. They're, they're just not – I if if you give me two out of the three or even just give me Jonah Williams back, maybe i feel different, uh, although you can line Chris Jones up wherever the hell you want, as, as, as we found out. Um, but, yeah, that, that was tough because it was like, well, yes, I think even at Arrowhead, if everyone's at full strength, Cincinnati's better. You know, Burrow, I think, is on the same as is as blasphemous as this may sound. I think Burrow's on the same level as Pat. And Cincinnati just has better weapons. Mixon. Like I all do respect to Kelsey, but Mixon, Chase, Boyd, who got hurt. Uh,
4: Higgins, Higgins, that's
2: a jump ball guy. You know, um, they they just have more dudes than I think um Kansas City does. Uh, but the matchup problem was you can't block Frank Clark and Chris Jones with three backups and that matchup problem existed when they were setting the line yeah I mean that that's kind of my only take on that I guess
3: yeah once once all that I mean it, it kind of goes the way that it should have right Burrow and Mahomes similar level quarterback um, three points is what's typically given for home field advantage and that's what Kansas city one by just real quick before we do in the Packers stuff, Ross, really, really early take on super bowl 57 Eagles and chiefs. Where, who do you think's better? Who do you think wins? If you've gotten that far, all that stuff.
2: Uh, I tell you, um, I, I would lean Eagles. I'm, I'm leaning pretty hard Eagles. If I don't hear that, that um, if I don't hear at some point that the chiefs got significantly healthier, they lost dude after dude after dude <laughs> from, from that crew. And, um a lot of them were good players. And and I, I head to head, especially with I like Kansas City's defense, but I don't love it. And a uh, part of it could be like Joe Berry related PTSD, but I thought Philly was gonna kill the Niners because that offense is defense proof. Like I I, I don't know, and of course they lost games. I get that, they're not undefeated. But I don't – I don't think – I don't think Mahomes is going to be able to move fully in two weeks. He'll look better. But Philly has guys after guys after – I mean, they're bringing the Dominican Sue off the bench, man. Like, they're <laughs> – yeah. they, got, they got guys after guys after guys that can come at the quarterback. And um, I just think, man, if Philly gets ahead, which I think they will – because of Hertz, because of Brown, because of Devante, because of Sanders, because of Goddard. Uh, if they get ahead, I, I just think Pat's in trouble. I, I do. I think I think Pat's in trouble. I, I, I think Philly's favorite for a reason. I would bet on Philly if I were a gambling type of person.
3: Yeah, and I think that they are uh, – you mentioned if they get ahead, not only is Pat in trouble, but – I think this offensive line is the best in football, and they can lean on Kansas City's defense if it if it comes down to that. Something about now, granted, they did a good job against Joe Mixon and Samaje P. Ryan, which isn't a running game to sneeze at, but the Eagles have that added dimension well, of Jalen Hurts.
2: And it's easier to sneeze at the, the guys blocking. <laughs> and no disrespect to Cordell, but like this this Eagles team isn't missing linemen (laughs) no no And, and by the way all due respect to Chris Jones Chris Jones wants to rush the passer Frank Clark really wants to rush the passer like Frank Clark is not an enormous dude if we're talking about like what you would how you would design a run defender on the edge he would not look like Frank Clark who is six foot three and I think that's pushing it 270 and he's not a small guy, but he's six two and a half. <laughs> like I I I would like more length than that, you know. Um anyway, that that that's kind of my my deal. It's like can't they're both I, I, I'll put it to you this way both teams are built to play from ahead because both defenses I think are built around their pass rush. And, and they are, yeah. I do, I I believe that Philly is more likely to get ahead.
3: Yeah, that that feels that way to me as well. Um, I just think that not just that but you know you've the talk of Super Bowl experience and everything like that. I would have to look to be 100% sure but I it might be about even Kansas City's had quite a bit of turnover on that on that team since uh, since they played in the Super Bowl against Tampa a couple years ago. Philadelphia's got guys on their team that are still there from that 2017 group. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. And if you want a historical nugget, may not matter. May It may matter. The Eagles have the number one pass defense in the NFL, and they are facing off against the number one passing offense in the NFL. Such matchup has happened two other times. Peyton Manning against Seattle did not go well. Rich Gannon against Tampa Bay did not go well. So, uh, Eileen birds as well. So we've done enough time on not Packer stuff. Let's do some Packer stuff Ross. Unfortunately, this is, <laughs> since we've been doing these shows together, uh, this is normally the time that we're talking about the Packers having been eliminated and, and having their season it's ended.
2: Just as painful. Yeah. It's just, it's just, as, just as painful.
3: It's not fun. Uh, but you know, we've had a little more time is what that means To I don't know about your process, but I typically do. You know, what do I see live? What do I see on TV? Maybe catch a little bit more study here or there as in terms of draft prospects. And then whenever the Packers season ends, that is when I start really full deep diving in. Well, we've had a little more time to do that now because it's been 22 days since the Packers' last game of the season. So we wanted to plant a couple of flags. So I wanted to see if you had a flag that you wanted to plant here and kind of steer that direction.
2: I'll do three. Uh, you don't have to follow me, but I'm gonna I'm going to – Plant my flag on a guy that I'd like to see at 15. Um, I'm going to plant my flag on a guy that I think is, you know, a mid round guy that maybe I think should be a second round guy. And I'm not, I'm not that deep into it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stand on somebody and, and, and really, you know, kind of wave, like I said, wave the flag and, and, and say, this is, this is my guy. Um, Other than that, and then I'll I'll give you a late rounder and no one will be surprised uh, by the late rounder. I'll, I'll just say
3: that. Okay. So we'll go, we'll go that route. Let's go ahead and plant uh, your first flag there on who's your guy at 15 then.
2: So my Brian Burns, uh, Christian Watson, um, write it on a post-it note. Like I'm Kevin Costner guy is uh, the, the slot corner from Alabama branch. Um, He is so much about, I, okay, I'll put it to you this way. What if Adrian Amos could play slot corner at a high level? And I mean like prime Adrian Amos like the one that they the one that they drafted or the one that they signed and the one that they got right away and I'm not saying Adrian's washed it just hasn't been what it used to be. That's where I'm at with Brian Branch who's list, lifted as a, a a safety um but my man, Over the course of, uh, I don't know, 768 plus, we'll call it 1,600-ish snaps in college, he, uh, he missed four tackles. Over three years, he missed four tackles. Like, my guy just doesn't miss tackles. And... That is so incredibly valuable. Uh, I I think as a slot area defender, as a box safety, if they need him, I don't know that I want to run it around there as a free free safety. But as one of your best 11 and as a guy that I think would really stress teams that want to run the ball out of three and four wide sets, which, by the way, is a lot of teams, including the the Eagles. The Eagles want to put you – in 11 personnel and stress your slot area defenders, stress your edge defenders, et cetera. Brian, Branch, Brian Branch is the answer to that. Brian Branch will get you on the ground. Um, tons and tons of splash plays. No, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I think he, he's he got two picks in his career, um, nine PBUs. But oh my God, man. Um, he just, he, he just doesn't, he just doesn't, you just, you just don't get by him. You just don't get by him. And he's, and he's good, um, in coverage. Uh, but man, like I said, that his his ability to shed blocks at his size, um, his ability to get guys on the ground, his ability to cover. Like I said, it's like if Adrian Amos could play a legitimate nickel. That's that's where I'm at with Brian Branch.
3: And I'll go in a similar light for early here. I do like Branch. Um, I wonder, he might end up being somebody that I wonder if he gets raised up the board just because there aren't that many guys, or does he kind of drop a little bit throughout this process? And we'll see what what happens. Obviously, a lot of things are going to change between now and, and April 20 eighth or whatever day that that's slightly
2: weird and like a in like a isaiah simmons uh derwin james uh uh hassan reddick type of way too where it's like okay where do i where do i play where does he play where <laughs> what, what do we do with him and and i i hope that it just it, it doesn't take that long for somebody to figure out
3: yeah and, and remains to be seen green bay the another piece of news that was covered but just feels like mentioning green Bay's looking for a new defensive backs coach jerry gray will not return next season he's headed to atlanta uh my guy early on is another defensive back like you were talking about I, devon weatherspoon from illinois is is one of those guys for me you want to talk about inside outside versatility he's a he's a six foot player um but i think he's oily and i think he's physical i think he's a guy that you could plug in as a slot corner you know green bay has a It's a good problem to have, but it's one that we've talked about a lot, is they've got Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas. All three of those guys are boundary corners. They don't have – Darnell Savage right now is probably their best-suited player to play nickel, but is he going to be on the team next year? I would venture to say yes. I don't know. I don't say that with with some conviction. Uh, And he might stink. Like, that might be the the other part of it. I think having somebody in there that – Number drafting a guy like this does something twofold. Number one, it guarantees Darnell Savage nothing, which is probably a good thing. And it doesn't guarantee the rookie anything either, which the Packers have typically liked to do, especially under Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur. They have tend to lean veteran, especially early, sometimes to a detriment. Hello, Royce Newman, Jake Hansen, et cetera, going that direction. But that's a guy to me who you want to talk about. You were talking about guys missing tackles and stuff. This is a guy who is, he's physical, He's got an attitude. Um, I think the Packers need a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. Peter Bukowski called it FU energy. I'm going to call it like small man syndrome. He's not small by any stretch as a six-foot player. But just that like ability of what was it Mike Hilton said uh, during the Bills game, something like I'm going to put all 185 pounds on him or something like that. I think that's something that Green Bay can certainly use. I think he could play the boundary in a pinch, and I think he's a plug-and-play type of slot corner which you're talking about yeah adrian amos if if amos could play uh the slot i think he's a little bit better in coverage and a little bit less as like some of the stuff that amos is good at but that's my take on that so let's go uh a mid-round guy or you know kind of after the first round somebody that you want to plan on
2: it's crazy um because i'm gonna i'm gonna do like a diet or a poor man certainly not a homeless man's and barely even a poor man's but everybody's obsessed right now um with lucas van ness and that's fine uh, I get that for sure, but my poor man's version of Lucas and a guy that I really like—I don't know where he plays in Green Bay. I mean, I think I do, um, but it's your your guy, uh, Jake Mike Morris. I I really yeah. like Mike Morris. <laughs> um, I he's a he's a weirdo. Um, I don't think you can play him where you would play like Dean Lowry, and I also don't know if you would put him on the edge at six six two ninety two. But if they had a more, and that's the other scary thing, if they had a more like interesting defensive coordinator, (laughs) I'd love it even more. But I just think, um, I think Mike Morris is going to have success at the next level. Um, He had 37 pressures, man, uh, this season on a defense that was obviously missing David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. And I like him (laughs) and I can't, I think he's going to test kind of like a freak too. Um, The only thing I'm wondering is agility, but from tape, I think his explosive numbers are going to be sweet.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data
3: Yeah. And he's a guy who, like you mentioned, they, they at Michigan this year had to replace a lot of guys. They called it the no star defense, but he was kind of their star. Uh, and it was noticeable, you know, when he, he missed the last two games of the year against Illinois, who didn't really try and throw the ball at Ohio state, who throws the ball a bunch. Uh, Michigan didn't have much of a pass rush against Ohio state. Uh, and that kind of showed up. They got some late, but Morris is, is one of their best players. The guy I'm going to go with it and it's it's kind of a popular pick, but he right now to me is the best tight end in this class. That's Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Um, I think he is. He, obviously, he's a little bit older. Um, I think he's going to be twenty four, so that might be something that maybe Green Bay won't care on the second day. Maybe they don't care on the first day anymore. I guess they took Devontae Wyatt. I think he turns thirty here in March. I think
2: you can tell these COVID kids are all through. Nobody can care anymore. Like it just has to be. Part of the yeah, co-
3: Stetson Bennett is what 33 years old or something like that. So, I mean, there's <laughs> yeah, I think that what I'm trying to think, I think with the COVID year and like medical red shirts, you can end up being in co- it's like the Chris Farley from Tommy Boy thing. A lot of guys go to college for seven years, like that's something that can actually happen now. With the COVID
2: oh, for years. sure. No, you 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 red shirt, you get your COVID year, and some something bad happens once, you know, you medically red shirt one time, and absolutely, you can play seven years in college.
3: And it's just something Green Bay, I think, you know, yesterday, my guy, Joe Arrigo, floated the idea of Green Bay uh, potentially getting Aaron Rodgers to to Las Vegas for two firsts and Darren Waller. Uh, Speculation on his part, he admitted as much. But Darren Waller is a guy that Green Bay has targeted before. You know, I don't mind the idea of Green Bay getting a veteran tight end. And that doesn't have to mean Darren Waller. That can mean bringing back Bob Tunyon on a one-year contract if you miss on something a little higher end like Waller might be. But adding a guy like Kincaid and then grabbing another dude on on day three to kind of be replace your Tyler Davises or maybe it's Mercedes Lewis you know Ross I remember famously when we were doing from the benches you said something along the lines of sometimes uh the best nose tackle in the league is a sixth round pick from who gives a damn state or something like that and that's kind of how some of these blocking tight ends can be now Mercedes Lewis obviously a first round pick but that is kind of dumb luck on on that uh stance but you know the the Packers could easily grab a blocking guy day three, but Kincaid is somebody I like him more than Michael Mayer. Uh, And maybe that's just overkill from the draft process. Admittedly it's, it's early on that way. Darnell Washington is a guy who I will say this and take this for what it's worth. I do not think the Packers are going to draft him and it's for similar reasons to that. They would not draft George Pickens Um, again, take that for what it is. Maybe I will be wrong. Maybe some of that stuff will be, Alleviated, but there are some things that are going to be interesting to them, and the Packers might do a ton of homework on something like that. But Kincaid's a guy to me, he's able to stretch the seam in a way the Packers like they just don't have anybody that can do that under contract. They don't have tight ends, period, under contract <laughs> right now. But even when Tunyon is under contract, they're going to need a guy who's going to be his replacement. You know, if, even if Bob is back in 2023 it seems unlikely that he's getting another contract after next year from the green Bay Packers. So you want to pick the top guy, you know, last year um, was a big fan of Trey McBride in the draft. Uh, thought maybe green Bay might target him if they had kept both of their second round picks that turned out. Okay. With the one guy they did draft in the second round, you guys might've heard that on the show once or twice about the kid that they drafted there. I'll leave that to another time, but somebody that I think green Bay, it's a position, They haven't really neglected it. They've just not been successful. They've spent free agent money on older guys. That has not worked. And they've drafted guys. They drafted Jay Sternberger with a top 75 pick. It just didn't work out. And that's the way. And Josiah DeGuara was a top 100 pick. That can't really be thrown into a tight end bucket. But right now, I think the best tight end in the class is Kincaid. That's somebody that if they picked him at, what, what is it, 45, I think, is their second-round pick. That is a run-the-card-up type of situation potentially. Uh, Ross, let's go to your you know, mid to, I guess, mid guy, and then your late-round guy that nobody will be surprised by.
2: My mid guy was uh, the Michigan dude.
3: Uh, okay, so your late-round guy, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, Mike Morris, we went through that. Uh,
2: from Spencer, Wisconsin, from North Dakota State University, fullback Hunter Lipke. Um, Hunter is a crazy story. Uh, went to or played co-op ball uh, with Spencer in Columbus Catholic High School in Marshfield, Wisconsin. 4,452 rushing yards and 82 touchdowns in high school, uh, not offered by the Badgers, which ended up being a colossal mistake. Um, Hunter has for PFFs purposes been the second, first and first graded fullback in college football over the last three seasons. He was the MVP of the national championship game two years ago. Um, But the reason I like him is because I think he's going to test really well and he has body control that you can't teach. Um, Hunter catches the ball extremely naturally. Uh, I would, I would encourage folks to turn on the tape or, or when they played the Pac-12 Arizona. I understand that Arizona is not a world beater. I think they went five and seven this year, um, but those are Pac-12 athletes. And Hunter, like I said, just catches the football in a very natural way. The absolute lockstep, one hundred percent that people will make is use chick and use chick has repeatedly shouted out hunter on social media as a player that he loves. And I'm not saying that you should give that a, an ounce of thought as from a scouting perspective that Kyle use chick likes hunter or thinks that he can play well, but at 6'1, 236, um uh, he's played a ton of F tight end. He's played some H back for NDSU. He's played a ton of tailback, um, but has played fullback. Somebody you can use in short yardage, um, somebody that they ran kind of this vertical toss play for, uh, but extremely comfortable with the football in his hands. He blocks. Look, like he does the things that a a fullback does. I I understand all of that. Um, But he also has 1,600 career rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. He also has 38 catches and nine touchdowns through the air. This is a human being that's very, very good at a lot of things. Uh, football related and because he might not be a super obvious positional fit i think he's going to probably go in round five or six or seven um and and i think he is everything that matt lafleur wanted josiah deguara
3: to be yeah and that was my point that i was going to make is maybe um you know, not something that you want to spend the top 100 pick on, especially with some of the things that Green Bay needs to add to their roster, but they have 87 seventh round picks or something to that effect. And Josiah DeGuara is entering a contract season. You know, that's something that it's wild how fast this has gone. And we've spent so much time talking about Jordan Love and his fifth year option, but like AJ Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, uh, John Runyon, we talked about him at the top. You know, that's something that these are guys that could be entering their final season. Uh, in Green Bay. And that's something I'm not saying the Packers need to draft someone like that for DeGuara, but you mentioned uh, Lepke here, then that's somebody that could potentially just and honestly I'm, like replace two,
2: him. At 6'1, he will go down and murder people on special teams. That's just facts. I, I, I watched him do it. He'll continue to do it. He will help that third phase. Um, you're going to take a guy like Tariq Carpenter, take a guy like Hunter Lepke.
3: And that's something that I think Green Bay can stand to do because you know, are they going to bring back all of the Rudy Fords, the Dallin Levitts, the Eric Wilsons? Are they going to bring back all of those guys? That feels unlikely. Seems yeah, it seems, yeah. It seems difficult. I would guess that they'll bring, I mean, unless they're just going to be vet minimum guys, then I'm going to guess that those are guys that they're able, at least one of them is going to end up somewhere else. So that's something where, again, last year, I mean, you saw it right away. It was, it was funny that, that like the Jonathan Ford pick, everybody was like, oh, he was drafted to be a field goal protection player uh Tariq Carpenter was a guy who actually kind of flashed did some nice things at the end of the year that feels like a guy who can you know can he replace Dallin Levitt or something and he's a little more physically gifted than than Levitt might be but it remains to be seen how that'll go but that that's something that that get. kid's more physically gifted than a lot of people I just that's know how to play football. yeah that's part of it too um my late round guy that I'll give is since we're doing homers and picks I'll go aluella with Timmy Uh, somebody that he's a center. He's a center only. He played for four years at Virginia played this past year at Michigan. I was talking with Tyler Brooke today uh, about him. I do worry a little bit about his strength, which sounds strange considering he played uh, at Michigan. Who's kind of thought of as this team that's just wants to beat you by brute force. And they did that to pretty much everybody except for TCU this past season. But he's somebody, if you watch the way the Packers have kind of wanted Josh Myers to do things where they, they snap the ball and they're running, uh, with these, this polling center, all Timmy was absolutely incredible at that throughout the course of the season. Uh, he's able to climb to the second level. I'm not saying he's like as gifted athletically as like someone like Jason Kelsey, Jason Kelsey's one of the best centers in all of football. But if you watch the way that like some of the things the Eagles ask Kelsey to do, and part of the reason they're running game Ross, like you mentioned earlier is, is as good as it is, is because of Kelsey's ability to move like that. Josh Myers is good at that kind of stuff, but he's just not consistent enough at that spot. And I was talking with somebody earlier today saying like, I think Josh Myers is going to be the starting center next season. And maybe he should, but I don't think that's somebody that should be guaranteed anything. You know, if green Bay came back next year with Bakhtiari and Nyman, I would be giving Zach Tom competitive reps at center with Myers, like, and, and yeah. maybe not just him in, in this case, you know, it'd be him and all of Timmy or, if they draft another guy, you know, they'll probably draft an offensive lineman who played left tackle that also maybe can play center a little bit. And that's something they could do. But I think just the way that green Bay likes to have those guys move, I think that's something they could do. And frankly, like maybe Myers is just better suited of having to play at guard, and not having to worry about snapping and stepping at the same time. That is a difficult thing to do, especially with some of these twitched up freaky defensive tackles that these guys are asked to block. And some of the things the Packers asked their, their centers to do is, is is frankly pretty difficult so that's something they can do there ross we are running short on time is there anything else you want to add real quick maybe another guy or something you want to throw out there before we go into to super bowl week no i'm all good um
2: i i got uh got my flags planted it's early in the process feel good about them yeah, and
3: I feel good about about uh, mine as well. So we'll see how how they go. Uh, if the I can promise you guys as you've heard probably on the show a couple of times if the if the Packers draft a kid from North Dakota state, uh, we will talk about him a little bit on, okay. this, on
2: this Here's show. the thing. You just called me a Homer too. You said, "Okay, we're doing
3: Homerism." Was I wrong about Watson? No. Okay. No. no. I think I saw uh, I don't remember the exact stat or like what all went with it. But like they're like, oh, Christian Watson and something about target share. I don't remember exactly what it was. But in the rookie season, and the other guys on the list are like Odell Beckham, Justin Jefferson, Randy Moss. Like I think there was a joke you made a while back. Like That's not the Packers Hall of Fame. That's the real Hall of Fame. That's the regular Hall of (laughs) Fame. Yeah. So anyways, we'll talk about those guys a little bit. Uh, That'll be fun. Hopefully, hey, if the Packers are going to draft kids from North Dakota State and they're going to turn out to be in the same sentence as players like that, then I'm not going to argue one bit with how that's going to go, but we're out of time. We'll be back next week, uh, which is unfortunately, this is the week. There is no football this weekend. So if somebody wants to send me survival tips or remind me what the hell I'm supposed to do on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, I, I, I frankly don't remember college basketball is, is a, is a tough watch uh, if you're a Wisconsin Badger fan this year uh, and they're kind of hard to watch even when they're really good sometimes. So that, that makes things difficult. The USFL and the XFL don't start uh, the senior bowl is this week uh the east west shrine game shout out owen reese is this thursday so that'll be fun if you guys want to check in to that stuff but you can follow me i'm on twitter i'm at jacob westendorf you can follow the show at pack a day podcast like rate subscribe view all that good stuff and you can follow ross he's at ross i we'll be back next week hopefully Morley joins us we'll see uh otherwise if he hasn't you can assume that uh he's in some trouble for having spent too much money at target i like i mentioned earlier so thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week